1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me is Nick Martin, and this is an NHL midseason update. The trade deadline in the NHL is on Friday. So we're in the business end of the season, Nick, and we're heading down the stretch. Here's a quick look uh, at the Stanley Cup future board presented by FanDuel. Of course, the Bruins are at the top at 5 to 1. The Avalanche are the second choice, 6 50. And then it's all Eastern Conference for a while. Carolina Hurricanes plus 750. Toronto Maple Leafs just under double digits there, plus 950. The Rangers are 12 to 1. Lightning, 12 to 1. Devils, 12 to 1. It's tough to find any kind of like true value here uh, because the deadline, usually once a team makes a move, the number will either crash or it's already been kind of baked in because the bookmakers know that Timo Myers going to the Devils, for example, or Patrick Kane and Tyra Sanko going to the Rangers, et cetera, stuff like that. Uh, the the one team I would say is interesting at their current Stanley Cup odds is Los Angeles. They're 32-1, to and it's it's a two-part play. Number one, the Kings are good, and they, they could get a lot better if they got a good goaltender at the deadline. Right now they're riding with Phoenix Copley, who's a journeyman, AHL goalie, and Jonathan Quick, who's been terrible. If they address that issue... This team that's been that's solid in any, every other area, the ceiling goes up. And the Western Conference, the second part is the fact that the Western Conference path is just wide open. Um yeah. especially if they, they avoid Colorado. If Colorado doesn't finish in a wild card spot, you avoid Colorado until the Western Conference final. You're talking about coin flips against either Vegas, Edmonton, Seattle, etc. So um the Kings are the only team I think at their current price that's worth uh a look.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and I think that's um ties into a good note because the with the Kings, the only series where they're gonna be a heavy dog would be playing Colorado. Um, especially assuming they made potentially a pickup, which they haven't done yet, which is kind of the other part of your point. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a play based off a team making a pickup, you wanna try to do it before the numbers move and like anticipate. You don't wanna be the guy reacting three hours after the odds makers have to what has just happened, to Timo Meyer heading to New Jersey and swinging the line. And you talked about how the top six teams in the East, how competitive it's going to be. I'll use New Jersey to break down. And I know this is fairly known that like, if you're going to lay a future, you want to try to think about like what the parlay of things needs to be and what the actual value of that. I think right now, New Jersey is a really obvious example of why maybe not always place in the future. And if you just want to roll your money over that can hold more value. So if we look at New Jersey's path, in what is a super stacked East? And I like New Jersey. Everyone who's followed me all year knows I think that team's really, really good. And Meyer is going to help them a lot. With that said, so they're twelve to one on FanDuel. So first round they'll play New York. I think they're maybe a slight favorite there. So your hundred dollars becomes one hundred eighty-five. Second round you're looking at Carolina. They're probably plus one hundred in that series. Being generous, maybe plus one ten. So then your initial bet's looking at three seventy. Third round they're playing Boston. It's very generous to say that they're even, and I, I shouldn't say I'm saying as a rule they'll play Boston, but I'm, you know, just hypothetically, they'd be an underdog there, probably plus one ten. Your initial bets then looking at around eight, eight hundred dollars in the final. Maybe they they would actually be a decent favorite over some of the West teams, but if they get Colorado, they're probably still an underdog. You're talking about around 1500 dollars in. So, and on top of the fact that you have more flexibility, you have the ability to get in and out. So I think that's just an important note that I would say. Especially considering I'm a little light on actionable takes today. I like the Kings. You gave that. So I think that's a really interesting note when we're talking about futures betting and that that concept really applies in the East right now. When you consider how many teams, and even to tie in Boston, who are five to one to win it all, Boston will still be about minus 115 versus Tampa or Toronto. Like they're not going to be a heavy favorite in that series. They'll be minus 120, maybe. Like I, I think so. If you're talking about the Bruins holding value at plus 500, I think it's pretty easy to make the case that that's probably not true. When you look at like what the route will actually be, because they'll have that first series where they will be a pretty heavy favorite. And then the next two, they won't be. And in the cup final, if it's them versus the healthy abs, they're they're not going to be much of a favorite at all either.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And I, and I think, uh, like you were saying, you're, you're being pretty generous, I think with, cause you, you got to, when you're doing these, working out these rolling parlays, you got to do that, right. You want to be conservative with your, uh, your kind of projections. So you could be looking at, like you said, like 15 to 17 to one on a team like New Jersey rather than uh 12 to one. Uh, so keep that in mind. I, I want to talk about the trade deadline now and kind of just look at it from a, here's how we're, you know, you're, you should approach these teams from a game to game basis. Cause there's a couple teams that have made splashy moves. Uh, and there's one in particular that is about to make, in terms of just like player name recognition to a casual fan, the biggest move, which is the Rangers getting Patrick Kane. Um, it's likely to happen on Wednesday. They just got to wait to accrue enough salary cap space uh, to be able to do it. And the Rangers has, the Rangers have already traded for Vladimir Tarasenko and, and depth defenseman Nick, Nico Mikula uh, as well. Tarasenko, it's been early, small sample, but he hasn't looked great. Uh, with the Rangers it's not like he's moving the needle and I don't really expect Kane to do it because there's there's a difference right between getting good players and getting players that make you a better team so the Rangers I don't want to call them one-dimensional that's not fair to them they are more than that but their best dimension is their playmaking and their elite skill and Kane and Tarasenko to some extent like when you get both of those guys it kind of just becomes redundant and doesn't address some other holes that you're going to need to fill in a playoff series where the margins are just so so thin so if you do see a reaction when the Rangers get Kane uh, I would bet against it basically is what I'm saying like this team should it they're generally overvalued they've, they've been winning so it's it's not been a take that's been kind to me but when you look at their their statistical portfolio, how they win games and, and the fact that uh, the goaltending isn't up to standard that it was set at last year, I think that it becomes a little dangerous if you're just going to blindly back this team because they just got Patrick Kane on top of Vladimir Tarasenko.
2: Yeah, and I, I not to just always revert back to like my initial point here, but I do think you're going to want to keep that concept in mind with the Rangers here because think about their path, even if they get Kane. It's not going to make them like a big favorite over Carolina or the devils who just got Timo Meyer. And I'm not picking on Kane here. 2023 Timo Meyer moves the needle more than Patrick Kane. Like probably that's almost as a fact I'd say, unless Kane just happens to come up with some huge moments in the playoffs, which is possible, but his defensive impacts have been pretty bad. So we're trying to balance, you know, like you're trying to balance a lot of things. Cause you're talking about, you know, if he's going to be better away from Chicago, he's probably going to be better away from Chicago, but how much better because the defensive impacts were pretty bad. And if you're talking about putting him on a line with Panarin or Tarasenko with Vinny Trotrek, that's a line that's, I think when you compare it to top lines from the East, like the devils, I don't like the way that matches up at five on five. So I like, like I like the Rangers this year. I think they're legit, but I don't think that puts him over the hump where I'm like, I need to bet on this team to win the cup at all. And then I think another interesting note is probably Tarasenko comes off the power play. Kane, one of his best assets right now is how it ability with the man advantage. I don't know how much on a true above replacement level he helps what I think is a good power play. He helps for sure, but I think it's like less black and white, how they'll line it up and how they'll make it work when he comes over. So it's going to be really, it's a really fun experiment to see. And like the East is going to be so exciting, but I don't think it's like a black and white. Like I'm seeing people anointing them as like the outright favorite in the East. And I think if anything, you could say what they've done doesn't help them more than what Toronto has done, than what New Jersey has done. Like it's kind of like a keep pace kind of thing, if not less than that.
1: I would agree with all that. we could talk about a team that hasn't done anything yet. And that's Carolina They're Let's, let's say they don't do anything. I've heard from a, someone in Carolina that says he doesn't think they're going to do anything. They're just chalking last year up to bad luck, uh, which is the most Carolina hurricanes thing I can think of uh, doing. Cause this team clearly has a couple needs. They're not glaring needs. Like this is a great team. They're second in the NHL or will look like, and they look likely to finish second in the NHL this season. But they're going to need somebody who can just score the odd easy goal. Uh, You know, Max Petri already was supposed to be that person and he tore his ACL bad luck, but that, that leaves a hole. You got to address it. They're not going to do it. They could also use like one more bottom pair defenseman to shore up that depth as well. Uh, That said, I think that the, like let's say the hurricanes don't do anything like i could see them that number kind of getting a little longer on carolina if they don't if they are the quiet team at the deadline and they don't do anything let's say like the devils put some pressure on them and maybe we're all of a sudden looking at a a race between the two the devils and uh hurricanes for the division and and it's close already but uh if the devils can like kind of catch carolina and, and turn it into a race right now carolina is minus 330 to win the metro the Devils are three to one and the Rangers are 24 to 1. If the gap shrinks between these two teams and Carolina drifts, then you could start thinking about uh, you know, that, that kind of same strategy with the Hurricanes as well, with the rolling parlay. Cause yeah, like they do have some holes, but it's not like what what it does is it kind of puts them over over you know, 50 rather than a coin flip against a team like the Devils or the Rangers, it would put them as like a slight favorite if they got a score. Um, and if if the number drifts enough, I think they all of a sudden become, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, but I guess what I'm trying to say here is if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, I, I still try to go get something.
2: Yeah, I think you summarize it all pretty well. Their team's good enough to win the cup as it is. So like you can't completely shred them, I guess, for doing nothing. But I also think that shows that like you should be doing something when you're, you know, when their team's doing what it is. And it's not like this is even compared to say like Boston and I think Boston still has some clear holes, but they just they have places where you can point and say they could use an upgrade despite how incredibly good they've been. It's not like you're looking at their forward core being like we could not possibly find a way to get like a, a second line center into this lineup or another quality scoring center or something like that into this unit. And, and like, I think a lot of things, like I still don't love the way Kaki and Emmy is going to match up in some of the roles he's going to play in the playoffs. So I think they're good enough to win the cup, but it is definitely a letdown if you're looking at that team and they don't end up doing anything.
1: Let's take a quick look at uh, make or miss the playoffs. It's the Eastern conference playoff races. Just, I mean, last year that the, the, the eight teams were set by basically Thanksgiving. So getting a playoff race that it's now, you know, you could still say it's 16 steep if you want to throw Ottawa in there for two spots, you know, the, the last two wild card spots. It's 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 a joy. It's a just a real joy uh, to have a, a playoff race back in the East. Uh, the Islanders right now are the top spot, but they have played more than anybody. I don't know how this has happened with their schedule again, but it's been the most compact in the league. They've played 63 games right now. That's more than anyone else in the league. They have 69 points. The Penguins have played 59 games, so four fewer uh, and... They're two points adrift of the Islanders. The Sabres, they've had that they had that snowstorm, so they had a couple games postponed. They're three points back of the Islanders with five in hand. The Red Wings also have five in hand. They're four, I'll five points back. The Panthers, two games in hand on the Islanders, and two more played than Pittsburgh, and they are three back at Pittsburgh, five back of the Islanders. The Capitals, I mean, if you want to call them still in it, they're five points back of the Islanders, but they traded away a bunch of important players and look like they're trying to do more of that. And then there's the Senators who are uh, on 60 points from 58 uh, games played. So they're nine back of the Islanders, seven back of the Penguins. Right now, the Islanders are still plus 162 to make the playoffs. They were three to one a few weeks ago. Then they trade for Bo Horvaths are playing better. Uh, and that's the same price as the Sabres. The Red Wings are longer at plus 350. The Senators are 15 to one to make it. The Panthers plus 240. The Penguins are minus 215 to get in. I think if you like a team to make the playoffs, I almost would just say to back the Penguins to miss, uh, more than anything, because they've showed some serious flaws, and I still think that this no- it should be closer to a coin flip than it is, considering their flaws, their goaltending situation, their age profile and like their injury risk, and the fact that their their pedigree and their name recognition is being baked way too far into this number. So if you're gonna back, you know, Buffalo to make the playoffs at one sixty six, instead of doing that, I would just take pittsburgh at that same price not to make it
2: so an interesting note with buffalo because obviously when we're talking about these you want to consider strength of schedule we know like i know some of the teams are going to get scrappy down the stretch blah 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 that happens but it's funny for how much you hear at the start of the year people talking about say how easy the devils had it the first month this year where someone will do really good and they'll be like oh well they've only played this team and that team and a lot of non-playoff teams how little i think when you hear people talk about this playoff chase, you'll hear them mention strength of schedule, which is not that hard to look up and very relevant. Um, So that is one thing that concerns me with the Sabres. They have the third hardest schedule remaining based upon winning percentage of teams that they're facing. So that is relevant. That does make it a lot harder, obviously. Ottawa's fourth and Detroit's fifth. I think uh, looking at it as of Monday, people would have been surprised. So Ottawa would interest me before Detroit. If I had to chime in with yeah, one there. With you there, Ottawa's okay. out there. The price of well 15 to one is great. 100%. And if you look, if you're someone who believes in models at all, MoneyPuck has Detroit and Ottawa. And this is going to change really quick when we talk about them playing two head-to-head games in two days. Puck has Ottawa 3% lower because of the fact that their underlying process has been a lot stronger. They're four points behind on even games, but that gets covered relatively quick with the difference in their team's underlying results. So I think that's interesting. I, I actually, I'm not huge on Detroit. They've kind of been proving me wrong, but I think that I, I would like to get that Ottawa number in before the Red Wings. And I can see the the merit there with the Penguins. But yeah, and I, I'm cautious on Buffalo because I'm seeing so many people saying that now's the smash play on that. I think the time to bet Buffalo to get into the playoffs is, has passed. Like I yeah, knew this exactly. point. Bet them, you know, like if you're a believer in that. And they to be fair, they've been showing me because they beat, tampa then they beat florida the next night because i've been preaching the strength of schedule thing but that's how it's going to be a lot of the rest of the year they're going to have to win a lot of those games versus really strong teams so if you want to you know get some value backing the sabers down the stretch just bet them to beat boston when they play them twice bet them to beat the devils when they play them twice bet them to beat carolina that sort of thing the rangers they have three with them so they're always gonna be long numbers in those matchups still and if uh you think they're going to win those? I I think just go out there and bet them to win those games.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, that's really it from a betting perspective as we head down the deadline. Again, a reminder, you know, keep an eye on those LA Kings. If you think that they're about to trade for a goalie, you should get in on that number before the trade happens and the number shortens. Also remember to consider that rolling parlay strategy. Uh, Nick mentioned... And if you liked what you heard uh, from the two of us here on this special NHL edition of the Action Network pod, a reminder that you can listen to Line Change. Uh, We preview every Tuesday and Thursday night NHL slate. And then as we get into the playoffs, it'll be a much more frequent pace than that. Uh, That is the Action Network's NHL betting podcast. It's called Line Change with an exclamation point at the end. And for those of you who are wondering why there is a hockey show here, don't worry. Our NFL team uh, will begin its NFL draft episodes on the Action Network podcast starting next week. Uh, So if you're into that sort of thing already in March, which I guess some people are, more power to you, and you'll be hearing much more of that uh, on this channel starting next week. But until then, a thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring the Action Network podcast. For Nick Martin, I'm Michael Lebuff. Be sure to check out Line Change.